Section 72 of the Catholic's Ready Answer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tatiana Chichilla, Columbus, Ohio. The Catholic's Ready Answer by Rev. M. P. Hill. Prayer and Nature's Laws. Objections. 1. The hearing of prayers for temporal blessings would be an interference with natural laws, which science demonstrates is impossible. 2. The hearing of such prayers would involve a miracle, but it is preposterous to suppose that God works a miracle every time he grants a temporal favor. Professor Tyndall. The Answer. Prayer, nature, and science are in perfect accord, but unfortunately certain scientists happen to know more about science than about prayer, and yet talk with equal confidence about the two. They tell us that if we pray for a temporal good, for instance, recovery from illness, an abundant harvest, the averting of a pestilence, we ask that nature's laws be interfered with, and yet the operation of nature's laws is unchangeable, as science demonstrates. Pestilences and bad harvests will come if the causes that produce such things have been set in motion. Such is the position of a certain number of scientists who are not necessarily atheists or agnostics. Now this dictum, which is often loudly asserted and which has an air of plausibility to the half-educated, has not the smallest foothold in true science. There is no denying, of course, that in the ordinary and natural course of things, certain causes must produce certain effects. A certain condition of the atmosphere must bring on a shower of rain. Certain conditions of the human system must result in disease. This is true, but the scientific critic should reflect that it may be no less true that the natural order is subject to control from a higher order. Just as in the political world a municipality may have its laws and yet be subject to a suspension of its laws by a higher authority in the state, so the world of natural phenomena is subject to control at the hands of its creator. The existence of a power above nature or of a supernatural order may be denied, but the denial would not be dictated by physical science or by true science of any sort. Physical science has to do with the world of natural phenomena. What lies beyond the confines of nature must be left to the student of rational philosophy and revealed religion. But just here we are only concerned with maintaining that if a supernatural order is possible, it is not irrational to suppose that the natural order is subject to its control. And yet there is no absolute necessity of supposing that, as a matter of fact, when God hears such prayers, he strictly interferes with the laws of nature. Granted the existence of an omnipotent God, the author and preserver of nature, it is rational to suppose that even without interfering with natural laws, he can direct their operations to the accomplishing of his designs. If even a finite being can direct the action of a piece of mechanism invented by himself, God can do as much with the forces of nature. To suppose that an infinite intelligence cannot use for its own purposes a thing of its own creating is manifestly absurd. The further question as to how God directs the forces of nature need not concern us, except as a matter of theological speculation or as bearing on modes of answering objections. But the objector is to the fore, and the question of the how calls for a solution. The criticism of Professor Tyndall on the practice of praying for temporal benefits of the kind we have instanced has been re-echoed by many who have even less justification for their criticism than the professor himself. Tyndall labored to prove that the hearing of a prayer for the averting of a temporal evil, say, for the warding off of a hurricane or a pestilence, would involve a miracle. And, whatever might be said about the possibility of miracles, the working of a miracle in so many cases cannot be admitted by any reflecting Catholics. Catholics, he tells us, frequently pray for such favors, and yet seem to be unaware that they are asking for the miraculous. They have a vague notion that, somehow or other, God will arrange events according to their wishes. He gives two typical instances of such simple and unreasoning trust. The first is that of a young priest whom he meets at the foot of the Rhone Glacier, and who is about to perform an annual ceremony of blessing the mountain. 
The second is that of a Tyrolese priest who, when he feared the bursting of a glacier dam, offered the sacrifice of the mass as a means of averting the calamity. Both priests, he urges, were asking for a miracle, and it must be absurd to suppose that such miracles would be granted. The professor's criticisms may be briefly answered, and in a way regarded with favor in the schools of theology. There is no necessity of invoking the miraculous and explaining the effect of such prayers. An easier explanation is found in God's foreknowledge and providence. Before the creation of the world, God's perfect knowledge of the future enabled him to foresee that certain prayers would be offered for temporal blessings or for the averting of temporal evils, and his infinite wisdom and power enabled him to order events accordingly. Natural causes would produce their natural effects in due course, but God's wisdom enabled him to predetermine the action of those causes from the beginning, so that events would occur when needed as answers to prayers. Supposing, then, that in the year of grace in which Professor Tyndall was making his reflections in the Alps, a calamity was impending which either of those priests sought to avert by their prayers. Nature's course would remain undisturbed, and yet the calamity would be prevented, in consequence of the initial direction given to nature's forces by their creator. We cannot, of course, know whether such is the actual way in which God hears such prayers, but it is the possible way, and that should be enough to satisfy science. It was Professor Tyndall who once seriously proposed an experiment by which to test the efficacy of prayers for the sick. He suggested that a number of patients suffering from some disease well known to the medical profession should be segregated in a hospital conducted after the best modern methods and confining its treatment to that particular disease, and that then the prayers of all Christendom, at least so far as they could be commanded by some central authority, as for instance the Pope's, should be concentrated upon that one hospital. After a certain number of years, statistics of recoveries in that hospital might be compared with statistics for the same disease in other hospitals, or in the same hospital at an earlier period. The proposal must have seemed amusing to those who knew anything of the spirit of Christian prayer. Christians do not regard the effects of prayer as capable of being weighed or measured or exhibited statistically. We have no gauge in this life whereby to determine the exact extent to which our prayers are heard, whether we pray for temporal or spiritual favors. That we are helped by prayer we cannot doubt, as our prayers are offered in obedience to the divine will. Nevertheless, the mathematics of divine dispensation are quite beyond our powers. Then, as regards purely mundane blessings, we pray for them always with at least the tacit proviso that the granting of the petition will be for God's glory and the good of souls. In some cases, the purposes of providence are better served by God withholding a temporal favor than by his granting it. Prayers are often said for health, and health is not granted. The whole of Catholic Christendom has frequently been on its knees praying for the recovery of a beloved pontiff, and yet he has died. In one sense, we may trust the prayer was heard, while in another sense it was not. It was not heard inasmuch as the pontiff was not spared, but it was heard inasmuch as it contributed to the spiritual and eternal welfare of the one for whom it was offered. Tyndall's proposed hospital might, possibly, have no better showing than other hospitals, for the reason that the ultimate benevolent designs of providence in regard to the patients or others might be better served by sickness than by health. Christian confidence in prayer is nurtured much more by faith and hope than by any sensible effects following the act of petition, though, at the same time, it is no less true that in many cases God vouchsafes to the soul a certain moral assurance that the petition has been heard. End of section 72. Recording by Tatiana Chichilla, Columbus, Ohio.